we have never seriously prayed to God before, except when we wanted something out of Him, it is understandably difficult to get started. Inevitably, our first attempts at entering into some sort of conversation with Him can seem to be rather cold and more like a monologue than anything else. However, that will all change in time if we are only prepared to keep at it. The key word is perseverance. Let this word be branded on your hearts, on your heart and mind. If we can only do our part, then God will do His part. That I promise you. One of our main problems is that we become so lost for words. And before we know what's happening, we find our minds deluged with a thousand and one distractions. Too many to cope with. That's why it is important to aim at being as simple and straightforward as possible in the words we use. Remember Jesus said that God is our Father, even our loving Dad. That's why he told us to call him Abba, because that's what the word Abba means in Aramaic, the language that Jesus used in his time, just as the Arabs still use it today. That is why abbots are called abbots, because like loving fathers, they are called to lovingly lead their communities to the love of God through prayer. There's no need to speak to God in fancy phrases or highfalutin language. You know the sort of thing I mean. O oh God, we beseech thee in thy infinite goodness, vouchsafe to thy humble servant... Remember, Jesus criticized the Pharisees severely for doing this sort of thing. That's why he said to his disciples, When you pray, do not babble as pagans do, for they think that by using many words, they will make themselves heard. We ought to use our own words whenever possible. Naturally, this may be difficult to begin with. If it is, we can always start by using someone else's words, their prayers, gradually transposing them into our own as they become part of us. That is why I've included a number of prayers that you can use to begin with at the end of this book. However, and it is important to realise that we should never lose sight of the ideal, which is to be rid of them as soon as possible, as soon as we are able to use our own words. One thing is absolutely necessary from the start, and that is to be completely honest with God. Nothing short of total frankness is called for when we start to pray. Don't forget that God knows us through and through, even before we open our mouths. We might be able to soft-soap other people, but we can't fool God. We can't soft-soap Him so why try? If you feel like a dehydrated prune, then say so. If you would rather be sitting in front of the television or surfing the net, admit it. And if you would sooner be reading the paper or a fast-moving thriller or Facebook, why pretend you would not? Words are not so difficult to find in prayer if we only try to speak simply and honestly and are prepared to admit exactly how we feel from the start. Honesty is the best policy in prayer, 
as in everything else. Although in the end, it is best to use our own words, in the beginning we can't do better than by using the words of someone else, someone who is more experienced than we are. Who better than Jesus himself and the prayer he taught us, the Our Father. We should always begin our daily prayer then with his prayer. Then, in our own words, try to mould ourselves into his prayer in its most perfect expression, which was at the Last Supper. Here, the most perfect prayer and the most perfect action of the most perfect person who ever lived become as one. It is repeated for all time in the Mass for us to share in it. Although we can't always be physically present to share in the sacred mysteries each day, we can share in them spiritually by moulding our daily prayer as perfectly as we can into his prayer, made perfectly present in the Mass. That is why the great liturgist Josef Jungmann said that the Mass should so form us that the whole of our lives become the Mass, the place where we continually offer ourselves through Christ to the Father, as Christ continually offered himself to the Father through every moment of every day he lived on earth. Those of you who know me know that I'm addicted to mnemonics, or if you like, verbal memory jogs. I used to use them to help me pass examinations. It was then that it occurred to me that they might help me to pray too, and they did. Here is a memory jog that I use to do Precisely this. Take the Greek word parousia, used to describe the arrival of a king. Parousia. It was used when the scriptures were translated into Greek to describe the threefold coming of Christ the King. His coming in history, his coming in majesty, and between the two, his continually coming in mystery, through what were called the mysteries in the early Greek church, and later the sacraments in the Latin church, when the language of the church became Latin in the third century. St. Peter sees the time between the first coming in history and the final coming in majesty as a time for repentance, or a time for repeatedly turning to receive Christ's love that continually comes to us in mystery through his mystical body. Now, his mystical or invisible body, for that's what the word mystical actually means, is so porous that his love continually pours out of it, and then it draws back into itself all who are open to receive it with pure and humble hearts. Then, united with his love, we can reach out to and enter into the love of God, which is our final destiny. That is why prayer is so important, because it is the place where we continually turn to receive him and his love into our hearts, into our lives, so that in, with, and through him we may continually journey onwards towards our final home in the three-in-one. Now, here's the memory jog that I promised. Each letter of the Greek word parousia is used to remind us of eight 
simple Latin words. The reason why I choose Latin words was because this book was first commissioned by the Carmelites in the Czech Republic, who immediately had it translated into 13 different languages. So I thought it best to use the universal language of the Church, so that everyone would understand it. Please do not be put off, because each of the words are almost English anyway, so you'll have no problem remembering them. Each of these Latin words is a reminder of eight essential ingredients of prayer as embodied in the Mass that should characterize our daily prayer. Now, let us look at what each letter of the word parousia stands for in the memory jog. P stands for professio, profession. A for adoratio, adoration. R for reconciliatio, reconciliation. O for offerta, Offering, U for unio, union, S for silencio, silence, I for intercessio, intercession, and finally, A for axio, action. And you thought Latin was a difficult language. Each of these words represent a form of prayer that each in their way helped to fit us into the most perfect prayer of Christ that embodies all that he has done, is doing, and will continue to do, so that as Jesus promised, we may have life and have that life in ever greater abundance. The first letter of the memory jog parousia is P for profession. It will always remind us to begin prayer with a profession of faith. I don't mean by reciting some traditional formula of the faith, or even professing belief in every article of the creed, or in every dogma that the Church teaches. There is a time and place for that, but this is a time for something else. Our faith, you see, is not firstly a belief in a body of truths, but in a body full of love that was filled to overflowing on the first Easter day. Ever since the first Pentecost day, God's love has been pouring out of Jesus, our risen Lord, and into all who would freely choose to receive it, at every time and at every moment of the day, or of the night for that matter, to draw them into the fullness of life that is fully embodied in the risen body, sometimes called his mystical body. It is here alone that we are destined to live and move and have our being and experience something of the ecstatic bliss that Jesus experiences now and to all eternity. This is one more reason why the fish became a symbol of Christians in the early church. They came to see and to understand that the love of God for them was what the sea is for the fish, the living environment outside of which they could not exist. St. Augustine takes this analogy one step further, substituting a living sponge for the fish to show that we are not only surrounded at all times by the love of God, but are penetrated through and through by his all-pervading presence and at all times. Remember the words of Christ at the Last Supper. Do you not believe that I am in you? and you are in me, make your home within me, for separated from me you have no power to do anything. This loving presence is the supernatural environment in which we grow, 
becoming ever more Christ-like human beings. Although this is the profound truth in which we express our faith at the beginning of prayer, we can rarely experience anything, at least to begin with. Much more often than not, we have to accept in faith what Christ continually experiences and what we would like to experience one day for ourselves. Nevertheless, this is the time to make a profound act of faith in the all-pervading presence of God's love. It is time to pray, too, that it will become more and more real to us, not just while we're at prayer, but throughout the forthcoming day and every day. Gradually, in time, and if we persevere, we will, like St. Paul, come to experience something of the height and the depth, the length and the breadth of God's love that surpasses the understanding. This will not only happen for all eternity in the next life, but even in this life too, as St. John continually reminds us. This is God's gift for those who give without counting the cost, fight without heeding the wounds, and who labor without seeking rewards. As Jesus promised to his disciples, Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Thank you.